Well, another week, another episode. Doesn't time fly? These episodes do seem to come round much more quickly these days. And we're in for a real treat today. We're going global. Yeah, very excited at this week's episode. Coming to us all the way from the United States of America. The US of A. And hello to all of our listeners in the US of A. Of which there may be one or two. (laughs) And perhaps more. After today's episode, you never know what could happen. I'm sure there will be. But we are delighted. We've had a really very interesting and very enlightening chat with Tom and Rachel. And they are going to be guests with our mystery voice. And then we'll have a little chat with them afterwards about their experiences of travel and living in different places. And also talking a little bit about a really important word these days resilience Mm. it kind of complements really well an earlier episode i think it might be episode two or three when we chatted to mark and lynn's who'd moved back to the uk having um lived abroad for a number of years they moved back to the uk right at the start of this pandemic Um, Tom and Rachel have done virtually the exact opposite, having left the UK, having been here for a few months in the autumn of, what year was it? 2019, I guess. 2019 or 2018. Autumn and winter of 2019, they went over to the States just at the start of the global pandemic. 2019, indeed, yes. Mm. Yeah. So a different perspective um, some similar themes followed by both of their stories. So if if you're interested, you know, if you feel that after today's episode, you want to have a listen to the other side of the coin and people who returned to the UK at the start of the pandemic, have a listen to episode three. Was it? I hope so. Have a little scroll through all the Mark episodes. Mark and Lindsay. You'll find something enlightening there. Anyway, for today, enjoy this one. Indeed. Ah, hello. Hello. Oh. Oh. Hi. We are here. Well done. Wonder technology. Amazing. No, it's pretty- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how are you both doing? Yeah, we're good. Um it's nice and sunny. Well, it's kind of sunny today, which is good. We've had quite a bit of rain, so it's kind of good to get outside and stretch our legs and things like that. But oh, um, what, um, so what time is it over there now? It is um, five past ten or seven. Oh, right. Right. Yes. So yeah. just gone six o'clock in five the evening six, here yeah. and yeah. it's been a horrible, freezing <laughs> cold, wet day. Yeah, it's mainly sunny here in San Francisco. Um, so just like a really quick background, there are microclimates that exist. Mm. And so we've been fortunate enough to be in an area called Noe Valley, which always sees the sun. So mm. uh, we pretty much have clear skies. Um, oh, yeah. Most, which is great for us anyway. Yeah, very good. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. So what's your plan for the rest of today? Make some bagels. Oh, oh, lovely. Very nice. Yeah. Nice. Mm. So making the bagel dough, so making them from 
raw ingredients to yeah. me, Tom. Yeah. Doing the classic lockdown, pick up new hobbies, baking bread. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Sourdough, banana cake. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been fun. It's been really fun. It's surprisingly easy and come out like much better than all the other breads we tried to make. So. Well, I mean, yeah. your, your first batch were a bit flat, but now they're they still getting... still tasted good, though. Yeah, they still taste good. Yeah. They're getting kind of rounder and, like, more fluffier, so they're they're pretty nice. Whereas my first life of bread just tasted like a giant scone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's a bit sort of strange, isn't it? Boiling dough. I felt, it felt odd putting them in a... <laughs> You know, you, you want to put you want to put it in an oven, really, don't you? You don't want to sort of boil it first. It just seemed seemed really strange. I thought the whole thing was just going to develop into a, a paste of some sort, you know. In the <laughs> it's the mental health podcast with Eileen and Phil. It's the mental health podcast with Eileen and Phil. Who are you? what do you do? Well, I am Rachel. Um, I am a brand strategist. So essentially what that means is I work with organizations to help to build meaning into their business, into their brand. Um, I think that a good way to think about it is that uh, brand has always been thought of as a logo in the past, but today they're using their brands to express their existence and their purpose you know, and why people should buy into what they believe in. So essentially I work with a whole range of different businesses to help them to kind of define what that means for them uh, and trying to find an authentic way of expressing it. Um, and yeah, that, that means working with designers and writers and marketers and things like that. So that is who I am, what I do. Um, and Rachel didn't mention that she's working with NASA at the moment. So she's got some really cool projects that she's been working on. I'm Tom. I, um, I'm a designer. And often uh, what I do is take what Rachel's built in brand strategy and start to bring that to life. So uh, designing how uh, a brand would look and how it would talk and um, everything from packaging to the website to advertising and kind of everything in between. Uh, and at the moment, I'm working with a company that uh, produces augmented and virtual reality um, products. So something very different, a uh, kind of technology meets design space that I've been kind of craving for a little while. If you could go back in time and change one thing, what would it be and why? <laughs> Is that a really hard question? Um, you can feel free to go first if you'd like. <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, I could change one thing. Mm. It would probably be to have got a dog um, at some point. We, we're both uh, completely obsessed with dogs. And sometimes I think it's absolutely mad. I'm going to be 34 soon. And I've had 34 years on this planet and I haven't had the one thing that I absolutely adore. So, uh, well, hopefully we can get a dog at some point, but that's probably the one thing I'd change. It's just got a dog and made it work and figured out ways to travel with it and kind of build your life around it rather than finding uh, lots of excuses not to get the thing that would make you really, really happy. Uh, 
I don't know, to be honest. I think that there, I, I, I'm never regretful with any decision I've made in my life. I think that it's kind of, for, for one reason or another, gotten me to where I am. I think that the one thing that I would have done, which I haven't really spoken about much with people, is I didn't finish my degree. I, um, when I went to university, I studied uh, for a couple of years and I, I did really well um, and I won a few awards at school, but I was offered a job and I decided to take the job in advertising versus finish my degree. And um, I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate in my career. It hasn't really impacted me too much, but I think I probably would have said to myself, look, finish the one extra year just to, to obtain your, your business degree and then go into, into the workforce. But essentially, as I was saying, like, I don't really re also regret not doing that in a sense. I think I've still been able to get to a really great place and um, haven't felt like I've lost too much from that, but that's probably the one thing I, I would kind of do differently. When you feel down, what do you do to cheer yourself up? Good question. Um, I think for myself, I normally, uh, I think it can happen in the mornings, like when you first get up and you feel like, uh, you know, you've got to go to work and there's so many things you've got to do. And I really just enjoy going out for a walk. Uh, there's this one place close to our house, which has been a little kind of haven for us called Billy Goat Hill. Um, even though we live in kind of the center of San Francisco, you can walk to this little park, you go up this little hill, there's trees and there's actually a skunk who lives there. And we've seen a coyote there before. And it's kind of like being in the middle of nature, but in the middle of a city. And that always gives me a little kind of breathing space. And I think um, if you can find the right music to listen to at the same time, I've always been a big believer that music can get you through really hard times and can put you in a positive mindset. So finding the right song, going to Billy Goat Hill, that normally does the trick for me. Uh, for me, I always, I have this thing where I have to compare myself to less fortunate people. And I, like, that's the only way I can get an idea of how lucky I am um, in any moment in time where I'm starting to feel down or um, sad. I think I, I just have to think about the fact that I'm super lucky, um, you know, I kind of glance over at Tom and think to myself, I'm super lucky, like I've got an amazing partner and, you know, it's life is awesome. Like, even though it's a weird time, it's just, you know, I think that there's always, it's, it's always easier to think about, um, you know, other people's situations and yeah, but making myself emotional. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what I do. And then I think generally once I've kind of thought about that uh, as a backup, I'll probably watch some really stupid TV show <laughs> to kind of distract myself and then it kind of goes away. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably my tactic. Tea or coffee? This is a tough question. <laughs> um, globally, I would say coffee because it's just uh, amazing and uh, kind of just makes your brain turn on. 
if you're in England, I would say tea. So you're going to kind of have to have two answers. Tea doesn't taste like tea when you're outside of England. And um, unfortunately, England's also terrible at making coffee. So it <laughs> depends what country. <laughs> we know of somewhere that's about to change yeah. all that. <laughs> We're looking to sampling the coffee. um for me it's coffee all the way uh i i think i had my first taste of coffee when i was probably about four coming from an italian family where an espresso is a must after dinner which most people would say that is crazy because how do you sleep but you know when you've got italian blood in you i guess you can have coffee at any time of the day and it's 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 all good so um definitely a good black coffee from my perspective um yeah and tea haven't really gotten around to really enjoying it that much to be honest um i i do like it but definitely coffee what football team do you support and don't give me any of this i don't like football just name a team I think I should stick out of this question. Um, look, I would say I, I have never uh, been into football before, but if I was to go for a team, I would have to support my husband and go for Newcastle because I don't really know any better. <laughs> yeah, a big Newcastle fan. And um, yeah, maybe that's the one thing I would change, actually, coming back to the earlier question been a, a hard life as a Newcastle fan I probably should have picked a better team but uh, it's been fun and um, that's one of the other things that also yeah cheers me up just uh, having football as a way to escape and yeah Newcastle's brought some yeah amazing memories even though we've never won anything but it's been exciting. What are you most grateful for and why? Uh Yes, that is, I mean, it's hard not to go past um, family and health, really. Um, you know, I think it's like people are a huge part of your life and they make it a lot more rich, uh, especially people that you have such close bonds with. Um, I'm very grateful for my family and um, I'm very grateful for obviously for, for Tom and anyone who I can really lean on and have a chat with, uh, you know, a simple video call right now, because obviously we don't really have anyone around us physically that we know. Um, so I, I, I would definitely say grateful for the amazing uh, friends and family that I have that have been very supportive over the last, my entire life, but especially the last 12 months. Yeah, I think um, oh, there's so many things to be grateful for. I think I'm really grateful for the opportunities that we've had and the support that we've had in doing it. Um, I think, yeah, especially being in America now and seeing how tough it is for so many people. We've had so many opportunities like throughout our entire life to like go to a good school, have, uh, you know, health cover and uh, be able to go to university and then, go and work overseas and travel and all of these things. So I think the encouragement and the opportunities that we've had um, has meant that we've got such an easy life in comparison to so many people. And it just means you, you uh, could take everything for granted because you kind of think like, you know, we have 
food delivered to the door. We have health insurance. We've got a roof. We've got like really nothing to worry about. And I think that's all kind of stemmed from having opportunities throughout our life to do well and then uh, take advantage of those opportunities and kind of see where that takes you. What one thing are you most proud of and why? Our resilience, I think, over the last 12 months or so. I think, um, again, like there are just so many things to be proud of. I think that if I was to think about the first thing that pops into my mind right now, I think it's definitely like our ability to, um, to kind of get through this tough period that everyone has been going through. I think especially having moved to a, a new country uh, in the middle of a pandemic um, and still be, you know, happy and, you know, jovial with each other and, uh, we, you know, getting along so well and kind of just getting through it. I think that it takes quite a lot of um, strength to to achieve that. So I'd say I'm very proud that we've we've achieved you know what we have during this period i mean i've managed to get a job during a pandemic in a country that has the highest unemployment rates since <laughs> for a long time so i think that you know we've we've had a lot of small achievements um throughout the year but overall i have to say that that's you know um yeah yeah definitely in life i think that's the one thing really really proud of of like seeing how resilient you can be i think Work-wise, um, I'm really proud probably in my last job that it was the first time I kind of became a creative director and I was really responsible for people and the quality of the work and the business surviving and things like that. And I'm really proud that I managed to do that whilst uh, still maintaining like a really great relationship with the designers that I was working with. and. Um, hopefully feeling like I was still well liked and respected and I managed to uh, produce really good work without having to resort to uh, lots of things that some managers do like um, being harsh or being a bully or being too like critical. I think I managed to create a, a kind of positive environment for people to do well that felt both fun and high performance. And I think sometimes that's actually one of the hardest things is to get good work out of people while still being like nice and making it fun. So I'm really proud that I managed to do that. And that's something I definitely want to carry forward for the rest of my career, making sure that work is fun and enjoyable for everyone. What's your favorite film? It instantly came into my head, Home Alone 1. <laughs> I think there's uh, something so magical about this kid who just creates this absolute chaos for these two robbers. And I think I must have seen it a hundred times and it still makes me laugh every single time. And uh, yeah, I just love the imagination and the creativity that um, this little boy has to protect his home. And I think it's just, it's fun and stupid and uh, has that kind of, Christmassy feel that you kind of look forward to watching it every year. So that would be my number one. Not very highbrow. Oh, I have no idea. I'm. Um, I really love '90s and '80s movies. Um, kind of think about, you know, 
sister act. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the worst two answers you've had for this question. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that I, I, look, let's just go with sister act. <laughs> <laughs> Great film. Good film. Good, good um, choice. Definitely. Like any movie that has this, you know, uh, filter of nineties-ness to it, uh, uh, really reminds me of my, you know, my childhood. So um, I'm going to go with Sister Act because I can't remember the name of any other right now. This is just what happens when someone puts you on the spot. Uh, and Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> is just amazing in that. So. She deserves a shout out. <laughs> Brown sauce or tomato ketchup? Uh, tomato ketchup, absolutely, 100%. I don't even think I've ever tasted brown sauce. Uh, it's not an Australian thing, but tomato ketchup is very much an Aussie thing. So that that's absolutely my answer. I have no more to add to that. Rachel's obviously completely wrong because the <laughs> obvious answer is brown sauce. Just like sugar and awfulness. Brown sauce on a bacon sandwich is absolutely glorious. So, what is brown sauce actually made from? Sugar. It's It's probably the same as tomato sauce, but just brown color. Seaside or countryside? I would definitely go seaside. Uh, I guess growing up in Shrewsbury, you're kind of in the countryside and it's amazing and um, it's probably in human nature, you always want what you can't have or somewhere different, but there's something so magical about living next to the beach. And when we lived in Australia, we were lucky enough to live near Bondi Beach and then we lived in the harbour and there's just something about the ocean that I think kind of puts everything into perspective, makes you feel kind of small and... um, almost like a kid again that you can you just have this uncontrollable force of nature that's kind of mesmeric and uh, really quite magical so yeah I absolutely love the ocean oh definitely the ocean for me um it is I think it's exactly in what you're saying it's just vast and um it, at the same time it's scary like uh, I mean I grew up um I didn't grow up near the ocean but my my father has been a surfer since he was um 16 and he still surfs today and he's got a ridiculous collection of surfboards actually one of them is in a surfing museum that he donated it recently it's like an old fiberglass one but we used to go to the beach all the time and we have uh, a beach house and so I used to do a lot of boogie boarding I'm not sure if that's a term that's used in the UK much or if anyone knows what it is but essentially it's like a very short surfboard that's very wide made out of foam or whatever it's called and um, you just kind of ride waves on on your tummy so um, yeah I used to get in the water a lot I love the sand uh, I love the sunshine Uh, even if it's a beach that has no sunshine at that point it's just nice to kind of hear the waves so there's something just very calming about water so definitely Definitely the seaside. What is your favourite mood-boosting food? <laughs> uh, uh, I think you should go first. Oh, mood-boosting. <laughs> Probably a scotch egg. <laughs> Impossible not to enjoy a scotch egg. Uh, 
you can be, yeah, eating a scotch egg and feel miserable. So, yeah, definitely that. Yeah, uh, I would have to go... I'd have to be like in a similar way. I, usually I probably would have said like a really nice kind of fun home cooked meal, but actually like mood boosting, I would say like takeaway fish and chips. Cause you just, there's something that's so exciting about picking up food that's been made. That's like nicely fried <laughs> and so delicious. And just like, I don't know, there's this excitement about it. And then when it's, you know, when it's finished, it's like everything goes dull. So I'd say that fish and chips are probably. It's the Mental Health Podcast with Eileen and Phil. It's the Mental Health Podcast with Eileen and Phil. That was very emotional. I found that very emotional. And I think you used the word emotional, Rachel, at one point. So obviously... We've known Tom since little boyhood, tiny little toddler, and have been aware of his journeys from Shropshire, from the UK, over to Australia. And you did a bit of um, global travel together and then have landed up in San Francisco right at the start of a global pandemic. And you've used the word resilience And I think, you know, absolutely, you've demonstrated that um, and that together you've got through what's been a really, really tricky situation, which is admirable. Um, So would you like to say a little bit more about that, about your journeys, your experiences, your travels, what you've encountered? You've mentioned that you've seen sort of inequality and the fact that you, you Rachel, refer to the fact that um, you feel when you are down, you kind of reflect on other people who are in a much worse situation. And I'm sure, again, you'll have witnessed mm-hmm. that very much during your travels and experience. So anything else you'd like to add on that, really? Okay. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we've been super lucky that we've been able to do all this traveling and it really gives you perspective on uh, life and how lucky you are. And yet yeah, you see so much inequality and it's, um, yeah, it can be tough to see and tough to know what you can do about it as well. So, yeah, I left England in 2012 to move to Australia, met Rachel on pretty much my first day <laughs> at work. And... Yeah, we were in Australia for eight years and lucky enough to be accepted by Australia to be an Australian citizen, which is something I'm also really proud of. I put my crickets on and then I'm very much English. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we, we're lucky enough to do lots of traveling. We went to Africa um, and we've been to, we spent seven months in South America, I think. That's one of the other things we're really proud of is you hear so many terrifying stories of things that happened in South America. And uh, it's kind of the first thing that people always ask you, like, oh, did you, you know, isn't it dangerous? Or uh, did you like worry for your life and all of these kind of things? Whereas actually we only experienced uh, like people that were welcoming and friendly and helpful. And we've made some really amazing friends while we were there. But that's a kind of extreme level of 
inequality compared to Australia and England. Uh, the mm. yeah, like the healthcare and things like that in South America. Unless you have a lot of money, I think it's really limited. I mean, we were lucky enough to, you know, have travel insurance that when we did need to see the doctor for whatever reason, we were able to do so. But so many people can't. And, um, and there's also, I guess, there's also another thing of thinking that inequality, uh, the suggestion that they're worse off than you, when I think actually uh, that's kind of mad because so many people that live in South America have such simple lives and they hold on to their traditions and, you know, they have smartphones and mm. social media and plenty of things that can. Um, be distracting and sometimes make things worse so inequality in a sense of like health and probably basic standard of living but um it's also nice to see that uh, or put things into perspective that just because you have these things it doesn't mean your life is any better than theirs is yeah indeed so that material kind of lack of materialism can have its own happiness and fortune yeah. in other then, ways uh, and I think it's a, it's a really important so it's a really important message as well that um, when you watch the news and stuff when you see you, know, you, you, you tend the news tends to focus on all of the negative stuff that's going on you know the war the famine the uh, you know the the the, um, the the arguments that are taking place across the world in various places and that sort of thing actually I think my experience is very similar to yours that when you go to other countries actually what you find is a lot of kindness a lot of help a lot of assistance a lot of people who are really interested in you want to know about you and your background and want to learn about your culture and as much as you want to learn about theirs and actually that's a really because you you know why would you put on the why would you put on the news the fact that you know somebody's helped you on somebody's helped a, a, a tourist um, onto a bus or has given them some money because they've run out of whatever it might be do you know what I mean so it's it's a really important message that isn't it that actually you know at the end of the day I think most people would see other people as fellow human beings and would would do what you know go out of their way to help you really yeah the kindness that some people showed us was just absolutely amazing and um for like you know no reason they had to like we had we had a tour guide who helped us in south america like set us up with a doctor and like a place to live like after you know we'd finished paying for the tour and things like that he completely went out of his way and would meet us for drinks and show us around the market like beyond what he had to and um you know, I'd always consider him as a friend now. And if he came over to see us, we, we'd look after him in the same way. And we never would have met people like this if we hadn't, yeah. you know, gone there and done that. And um, I think, I, sorry, yeah. I was just going to say, I think that it's uh, what it reminds me of is um, that I personally probably could have been quite narrow-minded about uh, different cultures prior to, to actually going out and exploring and traveling. I think that when you grow up in a community of people that are only one type of people. Um, I mean, luckily enough, I grew up in a very multicultural area. Um, so Melbourne at the time, you know, my grandparents came over from Italy, but at the same time, there were people coming over from the Middle East and from China and, you know, from Greece and, you know, all parts of the world. So I actually grew up with lots of different types of family backgrounds. Um, but I think that, you know, depending on your immediate circle, you can have a very defined view of what an individual or human should be. But the thing about traveling is that you 
have a preconceived idea and then you meet someone and it changes your perspective and you keep doing that over time to the point where you never expect people to be one way anymore. You expect them to be very diverse. And then that's when you truly understand what humanity is and what people are like. Um, and I think that what I find that I struggle with now is probably people that I know that I've known growing up are very narrow minded. And, you know, I feel like I probably could have been in that place at one point or another, but now that I've done this and I've traveled and met all these people, um, you know, it, it's, it's almost weird to kind of look back and, and see how people that you know and love think about the world because they haven't traveled. So I think that it's imperative for anyone to just do that. Um, it makes a big difference to how you, how you see how you see people. Mm. Opens your eyes and um, yeah, to be a bit less, ju less judgmental and more accepting, more aware of the differences, but, embracing the differences as well isn't it it's, yeah and there is ultimately no need to fear the unknown I mean lots of people who will be listening to this podcast will have not necessarily as big changes to make in their lives as you have over the course of the last you know 10 years or so but they'll be they'll be looking at things which they haven't faced before and they'll be they'll be in quite a lot of fear of what mm the future might hold for them mm. whereas you know i think the message you've just given us there is a is an amazing one really given you know your experiences that you know there's, there is no need to fear the unknown to find out what is going on in another culture or whatever um doesn't necessarily need to be something you need to be scared of it's something that you can embrace mm. and can yeah i think fit and into. being scared of it is fine because mm. i think that's natural that's kind of what makes it and, and why we can survive is because we're scared of stuff and means that we can prepare for it and um yeah i think that's just what makes us human but as soon as you get out there and you experience it you realize things are always so much more worse or extreme in your head and i know like when we landed in south america we would had just like had no idea what to expect and I remember being in a bus from the airport and we were like it doesn't seem that bad and no <laughs> No one's attacked us yet, and we haven't been kidnapped. <laughs> Maybe it'll be right, and you know, better and better and better, and then you just feel comfortable. And I think all you can do is be, be, be smart with putting yourself out there into new experiences, um, and knowing that you know you can find trouble uh, probably in any country if you go looking for it, if you act in the wrong way. But so long as you're sensible and smart and respectful. Mm. Uh, you're only going to see the best sides of these countries and the cultures and um, yeah we're lucky enough to have had that perspective um, it's also you know makes it easy for us to look yeah. at other people and be judgmental about why they're not more open-minded and I think um, you kind of have to take everyone mm. uh, with the environment that they've grown up with and the opportunities that they've had so we know that we're really lucky to be in this position so now being in San Francisco and having, a, it's, is it about a year ago that you went over there? Coming Maybe up to just a year. A less than a year. Coming up to a year, yeah. So how has that been? Because obviously that was at the point where we all went into this global pandemic situation. Um, how has that really been for you? It must have been pretty tough. 
Yeah, it's it's hard. Like you straddle this line of it's tough, but it's easy because we're in San Francisco. And to be honest, looking out the window, you feel like you're in, and we always say this feels like you're in a movie set because the architecture here is amazing. And mm-hmm. we're in such a nice area that's basically filled with prams and dogs. Mm-hmm. So um, it feels like life. You know, when you look out the window, it feels like life is normal, apart from the fact that we're all wearing face coverings now. Um, But uh, it's been tough in the sense that we've felt uh, quite locked down in our own place. Like we've we've had to shield ourselves in a sense because we have no additional support around us. So uh, I think that many people, you know, they've lived here a lot of them their entire lives or they've at least been here for a few years already they've established a foundation and they've established a network established a network of people um that they whereas we we don't have that we haven't had the chance to to build that so i think that the hard part for us has been um just kind of the isolation from people and uh just ensuring that we're being very uh cautious so that there's no chance of us needing anyone if that makes sense like no no chance of us having to go to a hospital or having to someone to to do something for Mm -hmm. us so I think from that sense it's felt Mm -hmm. like it's a it's a it's a freeing place but we feel very locked in within it yeah I can understand that and thinking about kind of health provision so you know the reaction over in on this side of the world in the UK has been very much um, protect the NHS so you know a lot of the rallying cry has been look after yourself but in large part that's to protect the NHS which you know free at the point of use it's available to all that's the way it it happens here but in the US I guess it's very different isn't it in terms of what health provision you've obviously said that you've got medical insurance and so on but you know what's happening for those people who are maybe not having insurance or are underinsured do you get a sense of how everyone feels about that situation there yeah I'd honestly say we don't know um that much about it and part of that is just not wanting to know mm. and protecting our own mental health from understanding mm. that we've been super lucky that with my job we've got mm. the pretty much like the best health insurance you could possibly have so it's great for us knowing that uh you know if we need it we're we're protected and covered and all of those things uh, but i also know i've got friends mm. that don't have health insurance and are living in America and I can only imagine how terrifying that would be knowing that if something awful happened that you might go to the hospital mm. they might not treat you um I think mm. yeah we probably just uh blocked out of our minds the thought of having to go to a hospital it just seems like I, I don't want to imagine what it's like so we, mm. we probably blocked that out a little bit but um there is a lot of inequality here, as everyone would already get that sense. Like, like saying, we don't. I don't feel like I'm. Mm. I'm kind of educated enough on this within the country to be able to talk about it confidently. But I think that whatever you're feeling or whatever you sense mm. happening in the US is, and I think that um, you just need to go a couple of blocks from where we live, and um, you know, the homelessness is 
very prevalent and um you know there's very obvious signs of an inequality within the community and i think that it's ridiculous that you have to pay so much money to have a simple coverage here um the nhs is we we have from an outsider's perspective and obviously tom you've experienced the nhs because you've grown up in the uk but we've just looked at it from afar going what an amazing service like what an amazing setup the country has um if only the us could adopt a similar you know hopefully now with a change mm. in administration there could be things like obamacare coming coming in you know uh, at, at least measures mm. that are trying to balance out you know how people receive healthcare like basic needs that an individual human has i think that that they just need to come up to par at least like it's just feels a bit ridiculous so but i think that any further than that i guess I feel like I know enough. I think the the one other thing I do think is interesting that in some ways America is incredibly like the most progressive country in the world and in some ways one of the most medieval at the same times. Mm. And like we um experience like health from oh, our point of view is I've got an app on my phone, I can open it up, probably within the next half an hour have a video call with the doctor. Um who could order my prescriptions to be delivered to my yeah. front door. I can have like a COVID consultation mm. over the app, like literally straight away. And that side of things is absolutely mm. amazing. And it, it does just feel like the UK has like the NHS, which is, is incredible and amazing. But I also uh, feel like there would be so many opportunities to improve and embrace technology more uh, mm. in order to actually make it more of a um like if if the nhs was a business that it would be a high performing mm. progressive like tech enabled organization whereas i still feel like there's so many parts of the healthcare service that um kind of hams hamstring itself because it is a bit old school in many ways so like if we could combine both then i think it could be amazing for everyone oh you're absolutely right there tom and i think that is something that they've been very slow to embrace technology and app-based approaches but it is something that I think as a consequence of COVID they're actually having to think about and work on because they do need to do those consultations over the telephone over video calls etc and indeed I'm sure Phil will want to have a little prattle on about the app that we, I shall we start, have. I shall start my prattling now. <laughs> so the yeah so I mean that's a really interesting point because actually one of the things that we've developed since March although we were doing it just before uh, is app-based support for mental health so it's exactly what you've just described that we are in touch so somebody we introduce somebody to an app on their phone who basically keep uh, a diary or a journal of their daily moods and their daily activities and what they're thinking about things and they send us a report from that on a regular basis and we analyze that report we feed back some advice to them or some suggestions to to help them to improve their well-being and that sort of thing and we also are, are, have the ability to sort of give them um sort of again in the in, in a virtual way uh, therapeutic sort of uh, tools and techniques um, that they can use to actually improve their mental health so um 
it's been a really really interesting and a very steep learning curve for us in in changing the way that we do things but uh, our local health board uh, who in many ways get quite a bad press for some of the stuff that they do actually have been really quick to embrace this and uh, have funded us for this year and are hoping to fund us for next year to be able to uh, keep delivering these things um, which people have found really really uh, beneficial for their for their well-being particularly at this sort of time when uh, you can't have those same face-to-face -face meetings with doctors and uh, psychiatrists and other people who would, you would normally rely on to improve yeah, the well-being. It's a, it's a mm. great idea I think that uh, there are so many people who are also just living on their own at the moment in lockdown um, and you know having a service that they can rely on to try and feedback or try and try and get some feedback would be very mm. beneficial I would imagine so that's a great idea mm, yeah and it's I mean it's just um really lovely talking to you both and last thing um, I was just gonna say is that just... although there's so much focus on how hard this has been and how um tough and negative it's been and all the awful things that are happening I do honestly think that in a couple of years when this is back to normal this is going to have such a huge benefit to all of us like us specifically I think it's given us a real appreciation of what really matters in life so that you can really focus on those things rather than like constantly thinking about what could be better or what could we plan for just enjoying being with friends and family and having a beer and having a nice dinner and things like that and and also the benefits it will make to um people like the nhs where they're going to be forced to embrace technology more or it's going to open up opportunities for people to work anywhere in the world these things would never have happened if it hadn't been for COVID. So it's a horrible, awful virus that I wish had never happened. But at the same time, I think some really amazing things will also come for it. So that kind of gives me hope and a positive outlook for the future. Yeah, working from home, there are so many aspects. Hopefully it's given everyone a, a, you know, a stronger view on even Black Lives Matter had so much coverage because of the fact that everyone was home and we're looking for, you know, they had more attention to pay to it because of the situation. And so hopefully big changes will start to, to happen. And hopefully, you know, exactly as you're saying, COVID's been horrendous, but it's given the world a lot of different avenues to do things differently now. So I think that's such a great, a great outcome of it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it it's really, it's maybe what we all needed, a bit of a shake up to change and do things differently and see that things could be done differently. And that absolutely pay more attention to those things that really matter. Friendships, family, things like that is bringing us yeah. back to that basic level, isn't it really? Um, and you've put that very, very well. So thank you for that. Excellent. So Tom and Rachel, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It's been a real privilege and pleasure to talk to you. And fingers crossed, the technology has all worked and this recording will hopefully be going out in the next week or so. Thanks a lot. So bye. From you, bye. Thanks very much. And bye. goodbye. Yeah. Bye. Well, there we are. So that was very interesting, wasn't it? Um, 
lots of uh, food food for thought there, particularly on the differences, I think, Eileen, between the health provision that we have and take for granted here in the UK and obviously the health provision in a place like the US. You know, as Tom was saying, you know, it's a very rich country, but equally there's lots of uh, disadvantage and inequality. Yes, I mean... You say we take for granted the NHS. I think over this past year, there have been much greater acknowledgement of how wonderful our health service is, um, albeit that maybe clapping for the NHS became a little bit of um, not the greatest thing to be doing because they need more than a, a clap. They need more than applause. They actually need to be credited with the professionalism and you know, a little bit of money headed their way to fund what has been an underfunded service. And I think Tom did refer to that, that in some ways, while the NHS is fantastic, it has been under-resourced and not actually been able to move into sort of new technologies at, at the pace with which other organisations would. Yes, and I think the... Um... The message to, to get over there, I think, is that um, we need to learn from how this pandemic has been uh, dealt with, uh, particularly by the government, and realise that one of the reasons perhaps that so many people have died in this particular pandemic in, in the UK is because of years and years of underfunding. And I think somebody um, I was listening to recently described it as a sort of perfect storm as far as the UK was concerned. Mm. Years of underfunding, lots of inequality, lots of communities who are sort of left behind. Mm. And that has resulted uh, in, in the virus being able to take hold in a way that other countries really uh, haven't experienced. Mm. And again, mm. um, Tom and Rachel both addressed the issue of seeing extreme poverty or that extreme of inequality during their travels but actually you don't have to travel very far to have your eyes opened to inequality we have it on our street corners in our communities in our neighborhoods those groups of people that have been more severely affected by this pandemic it has been disproportionate in terms of its impact on those who are less privileged um so, yeah, I mean, I hope that opens everybody's eyes and helps everyone to sort of get that perspective on fighting for greater equality, for becoming a more equal society, both globally, but also internally within our own borders. I totally agree. And that's uh, maybe the message that we need to leave for the listeners. Well, I think we can podcast. have a little bit more of a hopeful message, which was one that Tom gave um, in terms of his... He said that in all his 34 years, he never had a dog. And he has come to the conclusion that um, rather than putting up barriers as to why he would not see through on his passion, he's now got a totally different angle on that and is going to make having a dog... Um, work rather than putting up the barriers finding ways that doing what you really want to do how can you make that work and I think that's an important message for everybody absolutely and I think um, last week we were talking about hope I think one of the things that we mentioned there in terms of helping somebody to to have hope for the future is helping them to find their passion 
and actually the opportunity of doing something like that, having a dog. Lots of people have been buying buying dogs and having puppies and other things during the course of this pandemic. Uh, and um, it's great that um, people have taken on that and obviously gone ahead and uh, done whatever it is they felt that they should and will have wanted to do for many, many years. And I would just want to say one last thing. The last time that we did see Tom and Rachel in physical presence um, and spoke to them, and spoke to them, we haven't spoken to them for a year, was about this time last year we met with them on Harlock Beach. Yes, Harlock Beach. Um, and they actually had a dog with them. It wasn't their dog. Their, it was a dog that was being cared for by Tom's parents and it was actually a dog that was um, being trained as a an assistance dog. And Tom's mum and dad were giving bed and breakfast to this dog, which I think is a brilliant idea. And what a lovely way to actually contribute something to society um, while benefiting yourself as well in the companionship of, of a pet that you can know and love absolutely fantastic i agree yes and a good way perhaps of testing to see whether dog ownership is for you yeah indeed and um eden i think was the dog's name she was a very lovely dog uh we also again rachel alluded to the fact she did say her favorite food her favorite comfort food was chips but she very briefly touched on the fact that she would also like um, a meal to cook a meal with friends or family and it was actually on that occasion almost maybe just a matter of a couple of weeks before they went off to San Francisco and indeed Tom cooked a meal for us which was yes I lovely. do remember that it was indeed yes a lovely Sunday roast I believe no it wasn't it was salmon on croute <laughs> on a Sunday and it was roasted <laughs> oh it might have been Sunday <laughs> I think you've got, you're just remembering mm. what you've eaten tonight. <laughs> I think on that note, time for a bit of ukulele. Yes, okay, so we'll um, try and think of something a little bit relevant to our um, I've got just the content. tune, I've just got just the tune for you, um, given that, you know, we've crossed the globe today, how about that good old tune by Sting, An Englishman in New York. Oh, yes. Do you think um, you could give it a go? Oh, we'll certainly give it a go. <laughs> so here we go. Do it half speed. Yeah, do it half speed. So one, two, Go. 